Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight. Hello and welcome, our valued podcast listeners. I'm Raider Nick, and it's once again you're joining us for another episode of the official Canberra Raiders podcast, Behind the Limelight. Of course, the usual cast of uh, the Raiders Media Management, Ben Pollock and Tommy Logan. Gents, good win on the weekend. Great win. Um, and as Ricky mentioned uh, the week before, um, we needed to put in a full 80-minute performance after that um, scrape home win against the Bulldogs, and, and the boys did that on the weekend. Uh, although the game was probably still up for the taking um, about 60 minutes in, uh, the players looked really in control out there on the field and uh, got themselves in a position to win that game. And uh, eventually the weight of possession told, and uh, we ran away with the scoreline at the end to convince it uh, to get a comprehensive victory. Such a point the back line, that uh, Raiders back line. Look, we'll touch on that win uh, shortly as well. Of course, some bad news about Toots Croker. We'll preview uh, this week's game against the Sharks. We'll have Junior Paulo and Royce Hunt coming in uh, to say good day, and a very special Forever Green. I mean, they're all special, but this one will be super special. Anyway, I hope you're resting comfortably wherever you're listening. Come join us as we go Behind the Limelight. Raiders 38, the Cowboys 12. Uh, good win. There's some clunkiness there, but the positive sign is once we get that back line moving, geez, the, the points could come. I think that the, the big positive was the kicking game. I thought Aiden, um, Josh Hodgson and Sam Williams all put in some really good kicks on the week, which got the, which got the team, um, on the front foot. You know, when you, when you're starting your defensive sets deep into the opposition territory, uh, it allows for you to try and get on top of teams. And that's something we've probably been guilty of in the past few weeks is not getting that, uh, possession down the other end of the field uh, in defense. And that's something that they, the boys worked really hard on and it showed on the weekend. The Cowboys, uh, there's always that one team, isn't it, towards the end of the season, the shackles are off, they can't make it, and they always seem to cause a nuisance. I thought the Cowboys could be that team, considering their roster. Tommy, um, it was one of those one of those nights where you think, geez, JT's coming into play, Tamalolo starting to find his wheels in the game, this could be one of those disastrous nights out, but Oldfield, three tries, Rapana had a blinder, 38-12. Yeah, Happy days. I, yeah, I mean, I, heading into the game, I thought it was probably going to be one of those nights, and there was that sort of feeling in the air about you know sending, sending JT out as a winner in his last game in Canberra, but uh, i got to say, though, our, our boys, they really turned it on. It was a collective team performance, and like you touched on before, Benny, the, the kicking game of Sam Williams and Aiden Caesar was second to none, and it really sort of set the tone for our win. Michael Oldfield, you mentioned three tries. What a performance. Uh, great news. He's re-signed with the club as well, joining Saliva Havili uh, both this week on two-year deals. So really positive signs there. The squad's taking shape over the next couple of years. Guys are starting to commit, which is great news. Um, but Jordan Rapana, there's no doubt what an impact he makes when he comes back into this team. Just his ability to get the team on the front foot at the start of sets. And I thought Mick Oldfield rallied off the back of that. Um, him and Rapana were getting some really good touches. Um, and I thought Blake Austin in the centres when he came on for Croker, he was taking some really tough carries out of our own yardage, which was great to see because he's a natural ball runner. And when given the opportunity to just run the footy, I think he did a great job. Well, he kind of found that form, that 2015 form, when he was just so unpredictable to defend against, and he was just creating havoc for the opposition, scored that freakish try. That's what uh, Osto is capable of. One thing, too, I was a little concerned about no boy, but Dynamis Louis, he must be the most improved NRL player of the NRL. He's been a fantastic uh, addition to our squad and we all know that he came here for an opportunity and then had that knee injury which kept him out for pretty much a whole year but uh, as I've said before and I think I've mentioned on this podcast, I watched him 
um, put all those hours in in the gym uh, in his rehabilitation and uh, to see him getting the fruits of that work is, is great to see because he's a good, honest player and hopefully we can add him to the list of players that have re-signed in the next couple of weeks. Tommy, of course, uh, Benny mentioned, Havili, he's, he's a guy that came here for another opportunity. Yeah, uh, Havili came to the club obviously looking for an opportunity and he's more than grasped that with his two hands and obviously it's great to have him on board for another two seasons and he's certainly become quite a bit of a fan favourite uh, since he's joined the Green Machine which is good to see and hopefully he can keep having more positive impacts on the field. One thing I want to mention Benny at the start of the year during that uh, fan day when they had that opposed session against the Mounties and Nicky Cottridge uh, had a bit of time there at fullback mm. everyone was walking out there saying wow Cottridge Greg Inglis like he's had a couple of games there now. I thought he had some really good carries there, some dangerous looking carries. Is, could he be a fullback, you reckon, moving forward? Well, possibly. Um, this, this good thing about this squad is there's lots of versatility in amongst it. I mean, Jack Whiten has played in the sixth jumper before, so maybe down the track he could go back to that role with Blake Austin moving on. I thought Nick defensively uh, on the weekend at fullback was outstanding. Early in the game, for those people who remember it, he made back-to-back try-saving tackles on our own line, um, which kept the Cowboys out. And not only did he make the tackles, he was hurting players when... Yeah, when he, and it's like a Jack. sting in those it's tackles. Very, very similar yeah. to Jack White in yeah. the fact that um, the last line of defence is not a pushover. Um, these guys, if they come one-on-one with him, they're going to think twice about taking him on because he will whack you if you, um, if you try and take him on. He's got no fear, that kid. He's got no he's fear. A, he's, no doubt he's an he's a absolute superstar in the making. Um, it's just a matter of him just getting better and better each week and, and learning his craft. Um, as you said, he's played a couple of games of fullback there now. Whether Ricky wants to stick with him there this weekend, obviously the injury, injury to Jared's thrown things up in the air a little bit, so he might um, be reshuffled again, maybe to the centre this week. We're not sure yet. Um, so, you know, there's an opportunity there for him to, to continue to, to build on his footy. We mentioned that as we bask in the afterglow of a good win. There is a bit of sad news that come out of that win. You mentioned Toots, Jared Croker, he's gone for the year. Yeah, unfortunately, Jared's um, had a reoccurrence of a, a kneecap injury that he picked up in the All-Stars game. That's the same one. Started 2017. Uh, now, the, after speaking to the medicos here, they said that it's one of those injuries where uh, you can do it, um, and with some solid rehab and recovery, um, you might not have an issue with it again, which up until this point, he hasn't. It's been, it's been pretty good. Um, however, um, if you do do it again, th- then obviously they need to look at surgery to to recorrect it and and make sure everything's back in place so uh, that's the option that they've gone for um he'll miss the rest of the season uh they say that um it should probably not affect him in terms of being back for the start of the next pre-season which is good news um yes we're going to miss him out there definitely he's our leader he's our captain he's our goal kicker um but it's uh, an opportunity for other guys to step up Round 19 takes us to Twilight Rugby League at Southern Cross Group Stadium, a.k.a. I'll call it Shark Park from back in the days. Look, it's a place we... Field. Caltex Field from the 90s, E.T. Enninghausen, causing scenes there. But look, it's a ground we love coming to. We've got a great record there. We knocked them off there last year, the previous year. I think we... 30-point spankings involved. Must win once again. Gee, I like our chances this We week. talked about this uh, earlier in the year when the Sharks came down here, but it's an away team... Fiesta when it comes to these two playing. I think it's now nine or ten times the away team in a row have won. So uh, it's up for us to return serve down there at Shah Park. Uh, we put in probably one of our best performances down there last year to get the chocolates against them. So, look, we, we're playing for our 
um, semi-final future. We have to keep winning. It's as simple as that. Uh, yeah, the Broncos dropped a game on the weekend, but we're still four points out of the eight. So we have to keep winning if we're a chance of making the final. And obviously quite a lot of happy memories for the Raiders uh, lately uh, heading to Southern Cross Group Stadium. You know, I think last season, last season's performance, there was that sort of period when the game was a bit open and the Raiders uh, were down a player. I think Josh Papali might have been Sinbin. Yep. And, and we the, scored three penalty goals in that time. Yeah, That's right. Was, we, we managed that situation perfectly last year. So, And the good thing about, gents, the last two weeks, we didn't play our best, but we found a way to win. Of course, obviously against the Dogs and the Shark, uh, sorry, the Cowboys, where there were some concerning moments of the game, we still won by 20, so it's really healthy to know. You just get that feeling that we're sort of really now trying to sort of click into gear a bit and you never know what can happen. Um, when we're on, we're on, and you sort of just get that feeling that the past two performances from the Green Machine, we've taken a lot of confidence away from that and hopefully we can now sort of really try and hit fifth gear. It's uh, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? You, you know, as a Raiders fan, you, you can turn up every week and you just... You don't know what you're going to get, yeah. and and that, that's a, We're a that's box a, of chocolates, that's mate. A tough, that's a tough thing as a supporter because you know what this team's capable of, uh, and if they turn up and turn it on, wow, we can see what we can do. But it's just a matter of getting that right mindset, putting in that performance. As our completion rate last week was ninety plus percent, so when you're doing that in a game of footy, you're going to win by twenty points. I've noticed the Raiders where. On top of the table with points, we're 424 points, we're, the most in the I NRL. Think we're second, are we? No, we're the first. Oh, I thought we were second behind South, but no, we're, we're about five past South. Yeah, but, there you go. And a plus 60 coming ninth. It's just, it just shows you how the, the the potential of that team. That's right. Exactly. It shows so, we shouldn't be ninth in all seriousness, but we are. We need to we need to fix it. Let's find out from the boys what we can do. For the first time for 2018, Junior Paulo and Roy Sutt. Boys, um, obviously. Um, Good to have you both in here today for the first time. Uh, Junior, um, you're back in the team after a, a couple of weeks out. Um, how are you feeling and settling back into the squad? Yeah, uh, pretty good actually. Starting to find my feet again. Um, I think match fitness was is something that I've been really trying to chase. So good to get the first what, three games out of the way now and definitely feeling confident in the foot as well, being um, recovering from that injury. So um Oh, so just happy to be back playing with the boys, but definitely finding my feet again. It was a weird injury, wasn't it? It was like a, um, a ligament strain across the top of the foot. So must have been frustrating for something that wouldn't have felt, you know, that important in terms of an injury to, to keep you out for a while. Yeah, that's right. Um, obviously hard to let it recover properly being um, on my feet majority of the time. So it's kind of a hard injury to sort of work work around. So, but. Um, I think the boys in the physio room with Con and um, Salt have definitely done a good job in getting me back, and you know I can't thank them enough for it. When you run out there, Junes, uh, does it take, does it muck around with your head a little bit first before you get that confidence in, or you just get out there and take your first hit up, and after that's fine, or does it take a game or two to really get into a good space with your confidence? Yeah, I'm still not 100 percent in it. Um, you know, obviously the first game against Brisbane up there, I was definitely nervous about um, taking the field. Um, you know. During warm-up in the back of my head, I was just thinking about my foot, whether it'll be able to hold up um, okay. And luckily, I got um, through the game pretty well. And, you know, just trying to build through um, each game going forward and definitely working well for me at the moment. It's carrying a fair frame, that foot. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, 123 kilos. <laughs> it's definitely not light, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best to get through. And, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to get comfortable again and definitely finding my groove. Royce, you've been um, predominantly with the Mounties, of course, this season. Um, you've been named in the extended squad a few times for the Raiders. Uh, how, how do you approach each week with a mindset of trying to get back into the NRL team? 
Oh, mate, I just try and take every week as it goes, uh, try and improve everything I can. Um, you know, I have meetings with Ricky every week, see what I need to work on and go out there every week and try and work on it. Do you bring him some chocolates or something? You know, no, just I think that's Toots' job today. because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Royce, look, um, you're a late bloomer. You only started playing footy at 16. Yeah, um, I played a bit of footy growing up. Well, growing up in Kalgoorlie, there's not much footy there, so, you know... During school, I just played a bit of AFL and whatever I could here and there. And then, you know, go down to Perth every now and then, have, have a couple of games of park footy. So you were born in 95, and that's when the Western Reds uh, debuted over there in Perth. So they, had, they actually had a league team there. So, But how, do you, how did you catch the league bug living over there in Perth or Western Australia? Oh, well, my old man was always uh, a leaguey. He was growing up. Oh, he grew up in Sydney as well, so he pretty much took it all. And then uh, put it all onto us. And then, yeah, every time we went down to Perth, pretty much made mates and then got into footy there. Because there's a strong hold in rugby league up there. The juniors uh, in the Australian Schoolboy Championships, Western Australia, are always up there. They could probably compete against your New South Wales, as your Queenslands, and your, and those kind of more stronger stronger states. Yeah, I'd say so. They're, they're getting better and better every year. When I was over there, I think we had the first under 12 WA team ever to compete over in uh, New South Wales. So. It was pretty good. Would you um, like to see another team over there? Would you oh, yeah, be good to have to a team over. back over there? There's a lot of talent over there and, um, you know, kids' parents go over there to work and they get dragged along, so there's not much footy over there, so it would be good to have pathways there. It was unfortunate timing with the, the Western Reds, just with the, the Super League war broke out just after it and it sort of crippled any chance they had of having a team. But if you know, they're going to expand, I think it's a great spot to go and have. As you mentioned, it's a half a, you know, there's a big population over there and a lot of people that you can tap into. Well, uh, Peter Mulholland, who's uh, the, the scout here, he was the coach, the inaugural coach of the Western Reds, and uh, Mark Guy was the captain. So, yeah, it'll work, definitely work. But how did you go from the Perth and you made your way to the Dogs? Well, it was the under-15 championships, and I was playing for WA, and uh, Pete Mulholland's the one who picked me up, brought me over to Bulldogs. And, um, yeah, I went through the system at Bulldogs and... Made my way to Mounties and slowly up to Canberra. You saw Clay Priest um, make his way from Mounties into the Raiders system, and you've done the similar thing. Um, I suppose it's a it's a good pathway for a young player to to try and get some footy under their belt there. Yeah, yeah, it was good good pathway for Priesty paving it. So um, Mounties is a good club too, so it was it was pretty easy or following Priesty, but. Yeah, with a good club behind you, it's pretty easy to make your way through. Junior, you're, um, well, from a Raiders fan's perspective, it's unfortunate. You're off to the back to the Parramatta at the end of the season, but um, a decision that you, you made um, predominantly for your family and, and, your, and your future, and I'm sure that no doubt you want to put in some solid performances before the end of the season. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I think I was uh, that's the main reason why I was trying to get back um, on the field as soon as I can during the injury. But, um, yeah, like you said, um, I think it's unfortunate for me to head back to Parramatta with all the Canberra fans wanting me to stay. But um, it's something I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, I made the decision based off um, my family, being a young family as well, moving back to Sydney. We've definitely got the family support there for the kids as well. So when we first moved to Canberra, we moved into an unfamiliar environment. Uh, no family, hadn't played footy with anyone here at the club, so uh, it was definitely a tough gig for us when we first got here. But you know, looking back at uh, making that decision to come here, I, I would I would never have changed it. So it's definitely been one that's been beneficial if, off the field. Jeez, if you um if you had to um speak to somebody who thought about coming here though, as a player that's been here and, and now leaving, would you have any hesitation in recommending 
Canberra as a place to go and play your footy? No, no hesitation at all. Um, I think uh, a lot of the people that I've spoken to um, about my, you know, journey across across um, to Hume Highway to come down here. Um, I've told a lot of them that when I first got here, I didn't think it'd be a place that I would want to move back to. Um, but things have changed, and Canberra's definitely grew grew on me, and it's a place that I'd definitely be happy to come back and and live in after footy as well. So it's definitely been one that has grown on on me and and my family as well. Well, you're only in your early twenties, and you've, you've signed a new deal with Parrot, but if you want to come back at some point, we'll have, <laughs> we'll have you back. Tunes, what were some of the some of the kind of the struggles coming to Canberra initially, besides the weather? <laughs> weather wasn't too too bad actually. Um, you know, I'm a heavy sweater if we go out for lunch or dinner. So it was good to come to a place where you don't sweat at the, at the dinner table. <laughs> well, you're sweating a bit now. <laughs> um, no. Good workout in the gym. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, first got here, I think the hardest thing for us was being away from our families. Um, both me and my partner, um, our families are based in Sydney and, you know, first time moving away from them. So it was definitely a, a, a tough decision for both of us, um, having two young kids at the time. Um, so, you know, I think the hardest thing for us was having that family support away from, from footy. So it's easy for the guys to turn up to training yeah, I can understand every that. day. But, you know, for, I think for the partners, it's definitely a lot harder for them. It's going to be hard, no doubt, for you to, to say goodbye to the boys at the at the end of the season. What's been the, the most enjoyable memories you'll take away from your time here? Uh, definitely that 2016 um, experience, um, that, that run through the finals. Um, you know, it'd be something that we'll definitely be looking to do this year. So um, it'd be good to take away some more memories. But I think just turning up and being around the boys every day has, has been a, a big highlight. Uh, the team's full of um, a lot of characters and, you know, guys like Blake Austin, Jackie Wyden and then Shannon Boyd as well. So it definitely will be tough to say goodbye to them. But, you know, obviously my days are limited here at the Raiders. So I'm definitely making the most of them. Just uh, both of you boys coming from Sydney clubs, what's the comparison like when you're playing for a Sydney team and it's so spread out and all the boys live pretty much far away from each other? Whereas Canberra, we're all in our own backyard. You know, spend a lot of time with each other during the day. At the Canberra Raiders, these are all in each other's heads here. Yeah, uh, I think we spend more time with each other than we do with our partners and families. <laughs> so, um, no. That's why he's going. His missus is taking him back to Parramatta. <laughs> yeah, no, so it's definitely um, a lot different with, in, in terms of the camaraderie between the boys. Um, being a one-team town, uh, you tend to spend a lot more time with each other than you do, say, for example, a Sydney club where it's sort of spaced out, everyone's living elsewhere. So um, I, I'm not too sure how how it would be in Sydney, but I, I reckon the boys down at Canberra have it a lot tighter, a tighter group than... Royce? Yeah, well, I've just moved into a new place in Casey, and... Um, I've I've got everyone around me, so I've got about... I saw you at the shops the other yeah. day. Benny's <laughs> down the road from me. I think Pops is about a two-minute drive. Brad's only like a five-minute drive. Everyone's around me, so yeah, I see the whole thing. I just want you to think, Junes, when you're um, in peak hour traffic on Parramatta Road next year, just think of us here just, you know, five minutes away from the shops. We, could, we were probably having a coffee somewhere in a cafe while you're stuck in traffic, beeping the horn at somebody. <laughs> yeah, I'll be sure to give myself three hours um, uh, time before I leave the house to make training in Sydney. Yeah.
That's one thing that uh, softens the blow when you come to Canberra and there's no traffic. Yeah, you it's, get that. It's I 20 get minutes. I get angry if I'm held up for 10 minutes in the morning. I couldn't imagine living up there. Oh, I know. When it's rained, when it's just after a bit of rain. There's, there's always a prank in Sydney. Exactly. There's always, always. Every at 5 o'clock, yep. that uh, helicopter always has something Vic to talk LaRusso about. Russo coming to your There's always a prank. Royce, uh, what do you get up to away from footy? What's your, what are you interested in? What do you, what, um, what do, you do to get away from things? Oh, at the moment it's Fortnite. Oh, you and Taps. You and Taps. Oh, mate, it's so good. Yeah, me and Taps always squad up anyway. So we've got a few of the other boys. Elliot, Elliot's jumped on board. Uh, Maka Hesse. Yeah, we pretty much just play as much as we can. So yeah. what is it about Fortnite? Oh, it's a good bonding session. <laughs> It's but he's only in the same room. He's actually playing against each other in different yeah, homes, well, yeah, well, online. Me and Mucker live together, so he's in the next room, and then we're talking to each other, and then we've got smelling on the headphones. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I remember playing that. I remember Mario Kart, but yeah, we had to sit together because the cords yeah. only reached that yeah, That's right. <laughs> Mario Brothers and Luigi. <laughs> Nintendo 64. Yeah, that was the game. Well, I remember that. Normally, the, the NES from 1989. Oh, Duck Hunt. That's how old I am. Duck Hunt with the gun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that Dr. Mario. <laughs> And uh, Double Dragon. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Was Jimmy one. and uh, what was his name? The other way? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, going back there. Going back there. Let's go, let's go back there. How, how old are you, Royce? Uh, 22. Wow. 22. Baby. Mm-hmm. June's how old are you, mate? 24. Turning 25 oh, in November. Well. What, so what's your um, contract situation, Royce? Where are you poised at the moment? Yeah, I've got another year here, so yep. looking forward, forward to Well, you got the opportunity. I mean, it's disappointing for Raiders fans seeing Junior Shannon Boyd leaving, but as a young front rower, you must be rubbing your hands together and thinking, here's my opportunity to come into this team. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can off the boys before they leave, so try and grab with two hands if it comes my way. Because you got the opportunity to play against Penrith last year in that game that we, we've all tried to erase from our memories. It's now called Belmore. Yeah. <laughs> it's Belmore now. <laughs> but you, um, but you um, that was your, your first grade debut, so uh, although it was a disappointing result, it's probably a game you'll never forget. Yeah, yeah, well, it was, um, it was pretty... Nerve wracking coming out, seeing so many people there. It's the first time I've ever seen so many people, and um, yeah, warming up on the sideline, everyone talking to us, and trying to trying to get my head in the game. But um, yeah, it's definitely an experience I will never forget, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. It must make you really hungry to get another opportunity. Oh yeah, I'm doing what I can to get there, so we'll see what happens. When you got there. Um, were you, was there some apprehension? Because they always talk about, geez, I want to get killed playing first grade against those big bodies. But for yourself, what was it like your first hit up when you took it up? Uh, I just thought, try and come off the back fence and get as much <laughs> metres as you can. But, um, but what about running back and forth on the line? Does that just drain you as well at the top grade? Oh, well, you know, all the nerves running through you and then up and back, I, I actually tied out really fast. So uh, it was pretty fast, though. It was a lot faster than Cup. And, um, yeah, I just tried to stay in it. And the impact when you took your first hit up or your first tackle, was it just the bodies were a lot harder? Oh, it was all right. Uh, bodies are bodies, just trying to run over them. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, boys, we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks very much for coming in, Royce. Good luck um, for the rest of the season. Let's hope we can you know, you get another crack at some point during the year. And, uh, Junior, looking forward to seeing you steamroll a few more people in green jerseys before you're coming at us next year uh, for the year. So, um Good luck for the rest of the year, and, and let's hope, mate, we're still alive. Let's hope we can push into the finals. Yeah, that's right. That'd be definitely good, but, you know, I think for us, we'd have to bring a couple more chocolates for Ricky. Thanks, boys. Thank you. On the Behind the Limelight podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion, and plenty of courage. Steve! 
Now, last week we had the great Ashley Gilbert, and he had a great front row seat from the Raiders incarnation of 1982 to around the 1990s. But now we have a man that's seen the Raiders born from 1982 to the present, joined by a very special man, Victor the Viking, a.k.a. Tony Wood. G'day, Woodsy. G'day, Nick. How you going, mate? Mate, not too bad. Or should I say Raider Nick? Mate, (laughs) look, I thought I'd get you in. Of course, quite significant when it comes to the Raiders' success. You're a passionate Raiders man. Plenty to get through. Let's roll into it. 1983, you approached Les McIntyre. Uh, at the Queen Legs Club. Tell me all about it. Before the 29th of April, around about February 1983, I used to run the supporters buses to and from Sydney. And we were coming back from the Western Suburbs Magpies at Lickham Oval. And everyone was saying, we need a mascot, we're only new. Mm. So we put some ideas around there and we someone come up with a, a Viking thing because they had to look at the, the logo. And we said, OK, we'll come... We'll, we'll do a Viking mascot. So you said you ran a supporters bus. Yeah. That was in the inaugural year. Yeah. Let's delve a bit further. What was it about the Raiders that really ignited you and the, and the passion? Well, I remember the going to their first ever trial game at Seaford Oval against against the bag, uh, it was against the Magpies there, and just the feeling of the town, whether it was Queenian, well, I was a Queenian boy, but I was born and bred in Braidwood, but I come mm. over here to Queenian, and I saw that the the passion that the town had for that team. Mm. I, I don't know if it was the colour or the excitement of only being new and they wanted to see him start off start off with them. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just the feeling that I thought, oh, I'm going to continue this. Yeah, so 83, your approach to Les, apparently it wasn't as smooth sailing as one might think. No, it was like, it was like walking into... He reminded me of Kerry Packer. But yeah. there was, you walked into this dark room on top of the Queen and Lose Club and had this great big red chair and had carpet all over the wall and it, it kind of turned around and he looked at you with those dark, dingy eyes and he, he kind of scared me a bit and I yeah. sat down and he said, what can I do for you? And I went, oh, Liz, I've got this to show you. So he showed me, he said, oh, who made it? And I told him who made it and he goes, presses his buzzer on the phone without saying anything, and calls Sue, his receptionist, and he says, get me two tickets for this weekend. So Sue comes back with the two tickets and hands me, and he says, here, give it a go, see how it goes. Wow. That's all he said to me. So that was it for the first game in 83? Yeah, in 29th of April, 1983. South Sydney. Over there at Seaford Oval. Yeah, yeah. So he did the first mascot game there as Victor the Viking, yeah. and then what went on from there? The, just go back to that first ever game, I remember the, the young boy who was a... The um, young mascot was David Grant's son. The, he was a run-on bloke before then, and he was only about four, four years old. Okay, the young kid that would run out. Yeah, and, and that was man, Matt, yeah. the, the, the captain's son. Yeah, David come Grant's out. son. Yeah. yeah, and I remember walking out in the middle of the field and David brought him over to me and he looked up to me that day and he just smiled at me. Whatever I do now, from here on in, yeah. has to create a smile. Was Les happy with the outcome there? Was yeah, it, yeah. I, I went. I, I went and saw him a week a week later, and I said, "Well, did you get any feedback?" Though, yeah, yeah. So he arranged two tickets every game for me, to for me and my daughter at that stage, uh, me and my brother, yeah, to go down and do what I have to do. The first one was made out of paper mache, three sizes too small, small for me, and a pair of shorts, and that's what I took up to Les McIntyre. Wow! On that day, so. What was it, Woodsy? What was it? What was the experience like when you go to Seaford Oval in those early eighties in, in the inaugural team? Of course, they were a team that 
you know, it was the first year they were made up of, of a couple of good signings, like your Dave Grants of yeah. the world, um, a couple of other guys that came. And then you had blokes like Craig Bellamy that were there, Chris O'Sullivan, some local boys, Angel Marina. It was tough for them because it was just a spring of local town plus a few signings. There were some big, heavy losses there. What was the experience like early days at Seaford Oval? It, mate, it was a feeling of excitement because Seaford Oval was built. It's probably one of the best rugby league grounds, apart from there's Woggers and Tumits and all that. You're nice and close to the action. Mm. And the feeling that because we were so close to the action and you were a part of that team, to see a team that was brought from nothing, like David Grant and all mm. that, yeah, Dave, David Grant did come from Balmain, I think, mm. didn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. Tiger. Yeah, come from there, but you, you got all the locals as as well in it. And with the new, new blokes that got signed up, like the Percy Knights and all that, it was... Just a feeling of excitement, and a, the the feeling of like seeing Terry Fay run down the sideline with our the the Eastern Suburbs game where we won forty four nil, where Terry Fay scored two tries and Ron Ron Giddo scored eighteen points that day. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, David Grant diving over the um, Parramatta players to score in that eight nil yeah. that eight nil game. That was a that was a TV game on Sunday yeah. afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And with the great big white, um, he cut his head open, he had put stitches around his head on that day and he dived over. So we move on to, obviously we mentioned 86 and then the team really started competing like that Queensland yeah. contingency came down, the Sandbackers of the world, the late Peter Jackson, yeah. Gary Coyne, Dean Lance, bang, we make a grand final, we make a run in 1987 yeah. and you go out with the boys and, and run out with them at the SCG. No. Yeah, I, I remember that day, and I, I've got some tapes at home, some old video tapes, and I got interviewed by Milton O'Brien down at the, S, the SCG, mm. and I looked at it, and I've got I got hair back in those days, <laughs> but just the excitement leading up to that that day, and yeah, I, I, it's just it, it was just a, an emotion that you could only just grab, but you'll always have for the rest of your life. Yeah, um, the. Oh. You were this guy in Queanbeyan with a passion, sending you know, and then having just an idea, tapping on the you know, tapping on the door of Les McIntyre. Yeah. And five years later, you got the big stage, the big dance, yeah, and it's manly yeah. against a team coached by, you know, uh, Bob Fulton, Fatty Vaughton. They're all there. Yeah. SCG, the last you know, last of the grand final there on a Sunday afternoon in springtime. You've been thinking, wow, I, look what I've become. Yeah, I'm. I've always taken it within me that I'm only a representative what's on the sideline. There's those mm. people who pay their money to go into the, the buy season ticket to buy to go and buy a thing, I'm only them, but with the best seat in the house. Now, Tony Woods, a.k.a. Victor the Viking, there's no story without, so without its controversy. <laughs> uh, the Raiders decided to, to part ways with Seaford Oval yeah. and, to, and up their stance in their commercialisation. Bruce Stadium becomes their home ground for the, for the 90s, for the start of the 90s. But you didn't agree with that? No. Man, when they when they decided to leave Seaford Oval, I was... Because we were born there, it's like leaving your own home. Mm. I didn't agree with it, and I'm not one to see the future all mapped out for me. Mm. I, I wanted us to stay at Seaford Oval, um, so I kind of cracked up and I had interviews left, right and centre, so it was kind of against the club's policy. Yeah. So some of the Raiders management got to me and said, oh, Tony, you, you don't really fit in with what where we're going now if you don't agree with it you can't come along for the ride so you'll have to go away so i did um and i missed the 1989 grand final 
Um, that year was probably one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my life. I remember watching the 1989 grand final at the RSL Bowling Club, and when they won... So then obviously leading in, you would have seen, though, the Raiders winning that premiership in 89. Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of those players that were in that, in that era. Yeah. They became... All th- you know, minor premiers in all three grades. They won the Channel 10 Cup at the start of the year. They became this monster that the Canberra Raiders became. Yeah. Every single school fate, yourself and um, Ricky was there, or yourself and Bradley Clyde was there. The Raiders really galvanised the town. So you would have seen that go a next level up. Uh, it, was, it was the next level up. It was probably what was felt back in 1989 and 87, mm-hmm. but it was the next level because as this competition, the NRL, Gets every year, mm. it gets stronger and we get stronger. So you were there for 1990, obviously. Yep. Um, but what about for yourself being in that suit there? What, where's your headspace? Because obviously you're you're a, you're obviously a Raiders fan. Are you emotionally invested in what goes on on the field, or you also thinking about being entertained? No, as you're well? not. You, you never you never get yourself emotionally invested in what goes out on the field because you can't control that. Mm. Only the players can. What I what I try to do is. Do what's on the sideline with the supporters. The supporters are, uh, are unhappy. As a job as a mascot, I've got to make them happy. Try and get them involved. Mm. So yeah, it's just it's pretty hard to describe unless you've got it. You're wearing it. So you so you pretty much you, you be victor, and then once you take the helmet off, that's when you can actually process the loss or celebrate the win. Yeah. So my my wife currently goes. Because she knows that if we lose, she doesn't talk to me for about an hour. But you feel it too. Like, we all feel it. But you definitely, you you feel it as well. You feel, but you can't go as a mascot with putting the headgear on. If you feel unhappy about a loss, Mm. you can't show that. Yeah. We roll on to 94, of course. A bloke that you would have been cheering on on the sideline there for long, Mal Meninga. Yeah. Uh, the boys rally around Big Mal. They go out in, in wonderful circumstances against the dogs. And you were obviously on the sideline uh, cheering home the boys once again. That that, that fist pump. When, yeah. when when Mal scored that, that will be... For, I've even got a great big poster at home with that. That's fantastic, isn't that it? That on it. Yeah. That was, again, another level of excitement that the, the Raiders have brought to us. Um, well, I remember coming back on the plane... On to deliver the the, uh, the team back to Canberra Airport, mm. and I remember looking out the window, and just the whole tarmac was full of green. And then it went over there to the uh, Mawson that night. I remember being a kid; it was school holidays. Yeah, and we started over there at Queenie Lee's Club, and then just followed them all the way to the civic reception. It, it, the, even the, the like green, the green fountain and yeah. the green sausages, and the it, green... even coming back from the the airport, following all along Highmarsh Drive, the the line-up of traffic that was behind that bus to follow that team was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Now, yourself, with your, with your mannerisms, you know, Victor's got a certain way of being over the top, especially with his mannerisms. Is it, what is it, Woodsy? Is it, is it an extension of your personality or is it just for some reason you put that suit on, you put that green jumper on and it's automatic pilot? Uh, I, I think it's an extension of myself. Yeah. Because I, I go along in life that, I want everyone to have a smile on their face. Yeah. If I if I walk around where I work and everyone's got a hasn't got a smile on their face, I'll ask them why or or try and make them laugh. You make people feel good. Yeah, you've you've got to make them feel good whether it's with or without the head on. Yeah. Well, without the head, it's just a bonus. Well, now having said that though, it didn't go. Things didn't go down so well at an infamous night at Lane Park. 
No. In the, in the, in the 80, 87, was that, or 88? Yeah, about 88. What happened there? Yeah, you? we were taking the supporters' buses up to Brisbane, and we travelled all night. And, um, yeah, I was out on the field, and things weren't going our way. Oh, no, we, we were playing all right, but then all of a sudden I was watching the, the, the game, and I heard this boo, and I turned around, and it was the supporters up in the grandstand, Booing. The Broncos I went, supporters? No, our supporters, because they were booing. Because they saw this copper walking over towards me. Then all of a sudden I turned around and he's tapped me on the shoulder and he goes, I have to ask you to remove yourself from the ground. I said, what for? And he said, oh, indecent gestures. Because back in those days, Victor had the hips to do pelvic thrusts and I, t- I used to do them all the time. <laughs> and if I didn't agree with him, the pelvic thrust would come. It'd come a trademark. Yeah, and it did. Queensland coppers didn't like that. They wow. thought it was inappropriate. So you had to go? No, no. I haven't <laughs> been back to Suncorp. Wow. Yeah. Only because of ingestion. And when I remember we get we finished that game and we drove back to, on the bus overnight, and we got back into where the Monero Sports stories. Hmm. Now there was a news agency and we pulled up right out the front of that. And back in those days, you know how they have the picture on the front, what's in the paper? Yeah. Here's Victor. With the copper looking at me. So the front page of the Canada Times. No, the front page of the Courier Mail. Wow. Yeah, so it was good. made the Brisbane man. Yeah. It was 2016. What a year that was. Of course, we came second that year. The best attack, the best attacking team in the NRL. Mm. We just fell short um, of that, of that mate, not another grand final. But for yourself, uh, there was a great milestone. There was a game against Newcastle where we came from behind mm. to win. And uh, the stars aligned for you that day. The bloke upstairs pulled the strings for you. We got the win at the end in Golden Point. And that was uh, 600 games for you. That would have been another moment there, a la 87, yeah. a la the premiership, looking up in the sky and saying 600 <laughs> games and I'm still here. Yeah, mate, I, I, look, I look back about it on that day and I went, OK, yeah, I've been doing it. I've been making people happy for 600 games. Yeah. But... Then I looked at it on that day and I said, we'll, we'll lose. And it was like inviting someone to a birthday party and not having a cake at the end mm. of it. When we'll lose, and I went, oh. I, I, I felt a bit down about it. Yeah. And then uh, Rappiner scored that try. Yeah. The whole 600 games worth it. Give us a, a favourite player from each era. I'd say right, right to start off, Terry Faye was my excitement. Right? He yeah. just had the power. He had the the guts and get up and go about it. Oh, but there's also John McLeod, mm. who had the big yeah from West get up and go. Um, the next era would be Brett Mullins. He was just an excitement for me. When he got the ball, you knew that he was something going to do something special happen. about it. That game where and Ray Warren was calling it and he the Broncos game yeah Broncos try he, yeah. What was that like being that, in the front row seats and yeah, experiencing that yeah. piece of magic? You, you could you could virtually tell when he started to run what he was going to do. You could see the line of defence that he was either going to jump straight over him, he had that kind of power, that he was just physically going to jump over that first line of defence, but then he kicked the ball and regained it and scored. Oh, it's one of those yeah. things we'll never see again. Yeah. What about the early thousands, Woodsy? Clint Chavosky. Mm. He, he, was one of, he was one of my favourites. Another passionate Rangers yeah. man. Alan Tung. Yeah. He's, he's got a... He had a passion about him too. And then, like... Today's one can't go past Jared Croker. Great. Yeah. What about? Uh, let's ask you about. Uh, what about the funniest moment in the Victor suit that you've had? Blowing myself up with the fireworks is probably <laughs> probably the one of the fun, uh, funny one. Sliding on the ground be another one. Um, the funny one would be um, I hit uh, 
Newcastle supporter on the head with one of those plastic things and there's going to be a lawsuit about that. But, no. Yeah, <laughs> what about best memory? You know the best memories be the whole last 36 years? The whole thing? Yeah. It's the same smile as now I get last, last Sunday when we won. You, mm. you walk around, people have still got the same smile and it's a smile that I've created. That's beautiful, mate. That means makes me to ask, what does it mean to you, Woodsy, to run out and represent the Raiders? What does it mean to you to be Victor the Viking? Mate, it's my whole life. It, it means, like, I, I've got married, I've had kids. They're very special moments. But every time that I run out onto that field, I'm taking Canberra and Queenie and any person who wears green, I'm running out representing them.